Matt Stepp, it's been nearly seven weeks since we've recorded an episode of Tep and Step. Do you just have all these takes pent up, ready to unleash? They are. They are ready to be fired off, sir. Tep and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I'm the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, and thank you to Matt Step for not saying what he just sent me in Slack DM. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. It's very helpful. You're welcome. Very nice. You're welcome. That's, uh, that we're, we're here. Been... We're here. We're here for the people to keep it. Keep it G rated. For a family show. My God's DMs. Uh, this is your April off season edition. A rare Thursday joint. Um, yeah. Because you know, because we usually I... we usually po- we usually do this on Monday. It's kind of our mm-hmm. Monday routine, right? And right. we had to change things up because somebody went to Vegas. Uh, I, I I did. Uh, we went for the national trip. No, it was a work, it was a work trip. We did. I mean, we we seriously did get a lot out of it. If if you are if you are interested, which I know you're not, you just wanna you just wanna roast me for for going to to Vegas. But it was uh it was very good, um, and we had a good time. Uh, you know, we 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 learned a lot, had some laughs, killed some time. It was a good time. So, um, this watch is some, your. You, you did watch some sports. You did. I did watch some sports. Watch I some was sports. I was in the sports book. In on uh, at Circa, which is like it's the new one on Fremont Street, Street, and it is outrageous. Um, and I was there for the I had money on the um the Memphis Grizzlies to win their game, and that was uh that was the exceptional, very very good game. Um, okay. between between those two, those between them and the uh, who they play? Oh, the Timberwolves. Yeah, you, you was, didn't watch the you watched the Mavs games with the the two Spurs oh. fans. I did watch the match, although was, I tell you that was about as good as it could have gone. Uh, yeah, it went well if you are a Dallas fan. Well, and I won't blow up their spot, but Will Will Wilkerson, our digital director, uh, did he did hop on? He is a Spurs fan, but he put money on the Mavericks uh, nice. because he likes winning money, um, and he did. Pickle who, just who sat there. Pickle just sat there with a glum look on her face. Um, which what was, else is new? What yeah, a, a exactly. par for the course for Pickle. Right, exactly right. This Hashtag is, tyrant pickle. This is your April uh, off-season edition of Tep and Step. We do thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very much. Coming up here in just a moment, we're going to run through some coaching changes. Then uh, we are going to have a, um, and then we're going to have a, a discussion on the state champions, the 12 UIL state champions and how likely they are to repeat in 2022. And then we will roll out and we'll probably do this again, or we'll at least kick around some ideas, but Mm -hmm. April traditionally on tap and step has been sleeper month. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we're going to give you some, what we will deem as way too early sleepers. We, I think we will, we will reserve the right to jump off this bandwagon if we, uh, if, if we so choose. Uh, But for now we can certainly, um, we can certainly consider uh, three. I've got three. I don't know how you have sleepers yeah, uh, for three. the 2022 season. Yes. Uh, hey, I'm taking notes from my Hipster Picks article later this Ooh. year. So, you know, this is always good. This is good research for me. This is very important. So there we go. We will have that coming up here at the back half of the program. But we will start, as we always do, Matthew, with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Matt Stepp, what was... The highest scoring UIL 11 man playoff game in 2021. Most points scored by both teams combined. 2021. Okay. The record, okay. if you're interested, do you, do you know what the record is? Was it Seguin and uh, Pflugerville Hendrickson like a couple of years ago? It's it's not. That is fourth. Uh, they okay. scored 144 points. Refurio and Rogers in 2013 was 73-72. Um, Mansfield Lake Ridge and Dallas Samuel in 2016 was 87 58. And the all time uh, highest scoring playoff game is Leveland 82 Decatur 73 in the area round in 2016. Oh, that's um, when the great, uh, who was the quarterback at Leveland? Oh, um, 
Oh my gosh. He. Uh, you know who's screaming at us? Nick something. Matt Wilson's Nick screaming Gerber. at us right Nick now. Gerber. Nick Gerber. I knew it was Nick something. Yeah, Nick Gerber. The great. Nick Gerber. The great Nick Gerber. That dude. Wow. That dude ruled. That was an offense that just was like, we know what we're good at, and we're just going to keep running the touchdown play. <laughs> like, we're why just would we? A, yeah, just a flamethrower over here. Balance you know? is overrated. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, but what was the highest scoring? I'll tell you that the the answer to this is a paltry. That was 155 points. This is a paltry 119 points. What was the highest scoring? UIL 11 man playoff game in 2021. Man, it's got to be something that went to overtime. I'm really drawing a blank right now. This is tough. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, it was, I'm I would, I would categorize it. I would categorize it as a mild upset. It did not go to overtime. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um. Do we give you? I can give you a part of the state. Okay, all right. Maybe help. Central Texas. Central Texas. Okay, okay. And I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. I, I can't think of anything. Sorry, go ahead. I I just can't think of one. Yeah, I mean, I know Salado and Rusk was pretty high scoring, if I recall correctly. Salado and Rusk is a good answer. That is not the answer. Uh, right. Matt Sepp, the answer. Georgetown 63, Dripping Springs 56. Okay. Dripping Springs um, was 10-0, t- weren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but jo- Georgetown wasn't lunch meat. Uh, so it was, it was a, again, I would say it was a mild upset. Darson Herman, the Georgetown quarterback went berserker in this game. Mm-hmm. He threw for three twenty-eight and three touchdowns and he ran for one seventy-two and six touchdowns. Um, so he scored all, all nine of their touchdowns in a 63 56 win. So four one. Yeah. Four over one. And, yeah. uh, Austin Novosad, uh, I believe Baylor commit, uh, three eighty-eight and four touchdowns himself. Uh, on, on in a in a uh, short effort. So there you go. Your Texas high school will fun fact of the week: Georgetown and Dripping Springs, the highest scoring eleven man playoff game in twenty twenty one. Okay, Matthew. Let's start with some coaching changes. And there's there's a few, there's we're we're rounding third and heading to home in coaching change season. Yeah, um, we're at about twenty five or so UIL eleven man jobs that are open still. Well, we were at 24, but one of them just now was a hire from another school. So according one to, job gets filled uh, and one gets opened. According to the TexasFootball.com coaching changes website, there have been 184 teams that have changed mm-hmm. school, changed coaches this offseason, which I don't know. It feels about average. Um, you know, for, you know. I, I tweeted this out the other day, and I know you're still on Twitter hiatus for a few more weeks, mm-hmm. but this is actually a little below average for a realignment year. Typically, realignment years were around 225-ish. Uh, Do you and- think? Let me. My theory here is a lot of these got a lot of these schools got because well, last year was probably overrepresented, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is probably a little bit of like returning to normal in the sense that nobody fired their coach basically, or not fired. That's the wrong way to put it. Nobody changed coaches in 2020, uh, or very few, uh, much, much fewer because there was just so much up in the air. 2021, um, I think there was a little bit of market correction. Mm-hmm. And now I think 2022, we're kind of getting back to the normal, the normal things. But now, keep, now it's it's late, but you know we could still have a run oh. here. I mean, we there's a lot of jobs, a lot of there's some attractive jobs that are still open, so we okay. can still let see me, a run here. Let Let's start there. It's April twenty eighth. What's the most attractive job that's open right now? I think it might be Childress, with what we they have start, coming back. We can start. What, what a what a se- what a segue, right? Yeah, I think Childress might be the best job open right now. It, it's either that or Spring. I don't know. So if you don't know, um, Jason Sims has been reassigned there on on April 13th. He got reassigned. Uh, the man was 61 and 22, uh, won a district championship this past year, but of course was on the uh, they were on they're they on the business end of uh, one of the most remarkable upsets in first in, in playoff recent playoff history. Um, okay, I don't know if you've talked to people out there in Childress. I have not. Um, boy, it sure sounds like maybe they just. They they didn't like losing in the first round of the play. I'm sorry. It it, it seems like that's the way this looks to me. Am, am I totally misreading this? I think that has a lot to do with it. I, you know, I, I think it's one of those deals where um, 
you know, Sims is from Childers. He's probably, you know, very, very well connected. He's an, he's an alum. And, but there also is a downside of that is, you know, the longer you're in a place, the longer you have a chance to make enemies. And, and I'm, my guess is this is small town stuff where he got on somebody, you know, the somebody's bad side. And, uh, you combine that with the first round playoff loss. And I think it gave them enough ammunition to, to, to pull the trigger. And maybe it was one of those deals where, you know, Sims just, you know, had made enough enemies or had enough people that were not on his side that he they were able to push it through. You, you said it on on TF today uh, earlier in the week. You know, if if it if the sole reason for this is simply the first round playoff loss, why don't we do this in January? Why don't we why right. we wait until April? We're wasting three months here. That's that's yeah. what throws me off. And maybe the I guess what got, what one guy told me off the record was well, maybe the enemies that he made needed that time to drum up enough support to make the move mm-hmm. which p- behind the scenes probably happens not the best thing for a children's team that's going to be really good again this year i mean they bring back i believe 15 starters uh from a team that that probably was you know one of the better 3a division two teams in the state so um they're going to start interviews next week I, I know who the four guys that are are that are interviewing not going to say their names but i will say you've got an internal candidate which makes sense you've got um, a very successful head coach in the Texoma area who has a state title under his belt. Um, and then you have two, two head coaches in the South Plains, one of whom who has played for multiple state title games, who was coached uh, as a head coach in multiple state title games. So uh, after the podcast, I'll tell you who the four are, but those are the four Ooh. guys that are interviewing and, and they're they're It's a good, good crew of interviewees. So it'll be interesting to see what direction Childers goes. I'm just looking. Let's Actually, see. I might just DM it to you during the podcast and distract you. Um, you might. Yeah, that would be good. Let me. I will. I will only say this. Um, it does appear that I'm looking at the Childress ISD school board election cycle. Um, there are three members of the seven member school board that are up for election in 2022. That's politics perhaps, plays a role. Perhaps that's neither here nor there, but I did find that to be a little bit interesting. Um, oh, those are some interesting names. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Maybe you guys will find those out one day, but I know them now, and I don't have to tell you because that's I'm a jerk. Um, okay, so that was one of the, the real weird moves that's happened lately. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the um, – where did he end up? I want to talk about the the uh, the – Quero, Georgetown, Eastview, Willis, and Spring Quartet. As they are, <laughs> I mean, everyone knows, you know, that's just, that's really, I mean, those, those are the schools you always think of in conjunction. Those four with schools go together. Yeah. Like, like yeah. peanut butter and jelly, you know? Exactly right. I think, I mean, look, you can, you can also throw in Marshall if you wanted to. Um, you yeah. could, Bastrop as well, if you really want to play up the string. So let's start with that. Jake Greedle leaves, leaves Marshall to go to Bastrop. Jack Alvarez leaves Cuero to go to, to Marshall. Okay, mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. opens up Cuero. Uh, mm-hmm. Cuero goes and makes a pretty good hire in Jared Fikach. Man, let's let's start, start start with this. What a rise for Jared Fikach. Yeah, that uh, that you know what 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 he did at San Saba was really really mm-hmm. special. And and now Fikach had cut his teeth as an assistant under Weldon Nelms at Wimberley and Weatherford. So working for a guy like Weldon Nelms and they had a lot, you know, that crew had a lot of success at Wimberley prior to Doug Warren taking over. So uh, he's been a part of some good programs and he's, he's familiar with that area being at Wimberley. Uh, he's got some familiarity, but when, when he went to San Saba and he turned that thing almost instantly into a mm-hmm. state power, it was like, wow, this guy, he, he's a, a star. And he, he went to ECU for a couple of years and did a, okay job at Eastview. He didn't set the world on fire at Eastview, but I, I thought he did a decent job. And I, I think he felt like talking to him, we talked a lot during the process when, when he was interviewing and that kind of thing. I can say that now because he's got the job. Um, I think he just feels like the smaller schools a better fit for him hmm. and his family. And he's, I think he's a native of Shiner. He's from that part of the world. So Quero was a good fit for him. And you know what? Quero's a great job. You know now it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting. I don't think Quero is quite the job that it was after realignment because, in a very surprising move, the Gobblers are. You don't think of Quero as a Region Three team? They're in mm-hmm. Region Three now, so that, that maybe takes a little bit of shine off the job. But Quero is still one of those traditional powers. So 
Uh, great move for him to go uh, to, to, from Eastview to Cuero, and I think he's going to do a heck of a job there. His his style and, and the way his energy mm-hmm. will be will will go over well in Cuero. So Jared Fikach leaves uh, leaves Georgetown Eastview uh, to go to Cuero. That opens up Georgetown Eastview. That job has been filled by Mike Wall. Uh, Mike Wall. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a gap between him leaving Willis and taking the job at Eastview. Um, yes. it wasn't, he wasn't announcing I'm leaving to go take the job at Eastview. Uh, you, you see that a lot. like, uh, Jared Fikach did that. Jared Fikach, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, said, Hey, by the way, guys, I'm leaving Georgetown Eastview to go to Cuero. There's a little bit of a gap here. Um, but they get Mike wall, which when he, when he was leaving Willis, I was like, there's no way he's not like getting another job though. Like, he's, oh yeah, he, he did a too, great too job good of a coach. Yeah. Oh, he, his resume as an assistant is really, really good. I mean, Barclay, his time at, yeah. You know, at Georgetown, he was the offensive coordinator with Georgetown, uh, played for a state championship. He was, then he went over to Lake Travis and, you know, had, they had a lot of success at Lake Travis. So, and he did a good job at Willis. You know, they, he, his, he got to Willis right when they were transitioning to 6A from 5A. And, you know, they're in that district with the Conroe schools and they, they haul off and win a playoff game last year. So, a uh, heck of a job there. You know, they, Willis made a change at the top of their athletic administration, bringing in Jason Glenn to be the athletic director. Coach Glenn wanted to bring his own guy in, and this is kind of one of those things where uh, Coach Glenn brings his own guy in, and he, uh, Coach Wall's kind of got to go to find another gig. And so, you know, worked out for everybody. Coach Wall gets to go back to Central Texas where he had a lot of success, takes over a really good Eastview program that's growing. And uh, spring and Willis brings in spring head coach Trent Miller, who I, whose resume speaks for itself. I mean, the, that's the, a the that's run, a steal. I mean, the run he had, he's had at spring over the past, I think, six years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really impressive. I mean, five, five years. He, he, Trent Miller in five years goes forty-one and fourteen at spring. Uh, and so Willis, Willis, you know, I, I think they're a rising program there in the Houston area. And so now, you got to think Willis is really happy with who they got, who they landed in Trent Miller. So, so spring is now open, and that, that's a yeah. pretty attractive job open. Yeah, right sp- now. and spring, I'll give you give a little intel on spring. They're down to two finalists. Both are coordinators in the Houston area, kind of the northern part of the uh, suburbs, uh, if you will, in the Houston area. So, uh, I expect a decision out of spring either either Friday or as at the latest, probably Monday of next week. So let's talk about um, in the DFW Metroplex. Let's talk about the one that was pretty seismic during the time that we were off, and that's uh, at Denton Geyer. Um, mm-hmm. Denton Geyer um, coach Rodney Webb has retired from coaching. Is there's a distinctive? That's a. That's, I'm saying that in a very specific way. Uh, he's retired mm-hmm. from coaching there at Denton Geyer. Um, he. He goes 25 and five in two seasons. Of course, this is a state finalist from a year ago. Uh, that also is going to be pretty darn good this year. I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that. Um, and so let's start with let's start with Coach Webb because Coach Webb retires and he goes. And the next day, I want to say it was it became it was announced it was public that he was taking the athletic director job at Highland Park. Um, this this was something we we I believe we had heard that this would that he was in the mix for the the Highland Park AD mm-hmm. job, mm-hmm. Um, and and he he ends up getting it. I think it's hard not to connect some dots here in the sense and say okay well Randy Allen the legendary Randy Allen has already retired once. Um, he, you know he's he's an, uh, he's he's been around a while. He can pretty much stop coaching whenever he wants and be yeah. one of the greatest high school football coaches of all time. Um, I I have to imagine that for Coach Webb there is this this job comes with the possibility of perhaps hiring the next guy at Highland Park. To be clear, he's not angling to be the next head coach at Highland Park, correct? Yeah, I I just can't see Highland Park ever going back to a dual head football coach AD model. Just I don't mm-hmm. see it. If they if they were, then then Randy Allen probably would have been doing it a long time ago. But that's just mm-hmm. not it's not what they want to do. That's that's their prerogative. That's fine. Um, a school Highland Park size, you know, five A six A probably, especially with the success and the the numbers that Highland Park has and some of the other sports, it's probably better that they don't have uh, a football coach AD. They probably it's probably better to split that job. So. Now I do think that Rodney Webb will, like you said, because Randy Allen. Let's let's be honest. I mean, he's he's got fewer years. He's on the backside of his career. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's not going to be coaching much longer. I mean, that's just I don't want to put a number on it, but 
it won't it'll be i would say you know he's got less than five years left let's just say that well, that's fair uh, yeah yeah uh we're not, so, we're not trying to run him out of the barn no like but he, i mean let's just <laughs> it's just the you know father time is undefeated yes um and so i do think rodney webb will get a chance to to make that call and hire hire his own coach you know rodney webb at guyer was always an odd fit i, I don't know if he the guyer community really fully just accepted him and embraced him i don't know it just seemed it seemed like an odd fit he had a lot of success there went to the you know, semifinals in the uh, in the state championship game in two years, but I don't know. It just never seemed like it was just the the greatest fit there. It was almost like a stopgap type thing, and so bringing in you know Geyer's Denton ISD just Monday night or Tuesday night hires uh, Reed Heim. I wonder if he's related to Travis Heim. So we need to ask. I wonder if he's related that. to to Ranger great Jonah Heim. Yeah, could be. But he's former defensive coordinator there at Geyer. He spent some time in the college ranks uh, prior to that. So um, apparently, by all accounts, very well liked and well respected in the Geyer community. Uh, and I thought this was the right move. And I think I, I called this a few weeks ago when the job first opened that I thought the job would stay in house. And Joey Florence, the athletic director at Denton ISD, you know, made me made me right in this in this regard by, <laughs> Thanks, by uh, keep keep keeping it in house and, and promoting Reed Heim. Who, I mean, why why wouldn't you? They the success they've had, you know, it, it you know when when John Walsh left, that was a little more of a um, less than amicable departure, mm-hmm. I'll say. And a lot of a lot of Coach Walsh's staff left and went to San Marcos with him, uh, so. In that case, they kind of had to go outside. In this case, a lot of the staff is still there and wants to stay there, so it made sense to promote from within. Um, let's talk about Lamarck um, because there's some. This has been some interesting late movement here uh, going on down there, that kind of southeast Texas area. Um, I, I was looking this up. I, I guess I forgot that their defensive coordinator uh, Scott Williams went from Lamarck to Pecos, which is. That's that a move. Quite, that's a move. That that's is a change in scenery. Oh my gosh. Is that in? No, Pecos is not quite far west enough to be mountain time, but you're getting close. You're getting close. There, there are, I, I think Pecos is kind of when you first start to start seeing the, 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 the landscape starting to change when you're driving out yeah. towards El Paso. I think Pecos is kind of the first, first glimpse of, of mountain terrain. So, uh, so a little bit different from, from Galveston County, just a little so bit. We're talking Southeast Texas. Texas City comes open because Leland Sirovic, um, who had been there for, for quite a few years, he's going into an athletic director only role there with Texas mm-hmm. City ISD. So they go and they hire Sean Evans. Sean Evans was the head football coach there at Lamarck for the last four years. Uh, this past year went five and five. Um, but this is a, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's got some ties to uh, Texas City. Right? Yeah, he was an, he was an assistant there for eleven years prior, and this the Lamarck Texas City dynamic is really really weird because mm-hmm. Lamarck and Texas City were in in the eighties in the nineties were that that rivalry game was one of the biggest rivalry games in the state. They mm-hmm. I think I think called the Battle of the Causeway or something something like that, but it's it is a it was a huge rivalry back in the day. Uh, and Lamarck and Texas City were in separate school districts. They hated each other, mm-hmm. and both of them were state powers, multiple state championships there between both schools. It was a huge rivalry. Fast forward to you know five, seven years ago, Lamarck ISD has all kind of troubles with the state and money and and their rating and their accreditation, and Lamarck gets absorbed by their hated rival Texas City. Mm-hmm. And is now a part of Texas City ISD. So Texas City ISD has two separate two two high schools operating now, mm-hmm. and Lamarck saw their enrollment just plummet. There, there was a, there was two alignments where Lamarck was three A. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. And in the Lamarck was a old five A now six A school up until I believe 19, 1988. So from nineteen eighty eight to two thousand, and I think it was. 16 they went from 6a well 5a 6a to 3a all the way down this shows you the the, the number the, lamarck play put it this way in 1987 lamarck i think played plano for a state championship <laughs> in the state's largest yeah. classification so that 
the dynamics have completely changed down there. Lamarck is a much smaller – they don't play Texas City anymore. They're a much smaller school. Um, so it made sense that Evans, who had ties to Texas City, had ties to Coach Sorovic, uh, would come over to Texas City from Lamarck. And he did a, he's done a good job kind of settling things down at Lamarck and um, kind of getting them back you know, in somewhat of a st- stable footing. It's just a weird dynamic because there, you know, there's always – the talk down there always is – Lamarck's just going to get absorbed by Texas City, and they're, they're going to go back to one high school. Um, and they haven't yeah. done it yet, and I, I don't know if they ever will, but it's just an odd dynamic. And so it's, it's a good move for Evans to go to Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas, City's, Texas City's junior class is loaded. They are going to be really good for the next two years. They were really good. They were 10-2 They were last really good last year, year yeah. They're going to mm-hmm. be really good for the next couple of years. So it's a good move for him. It'll be interesting to see what Lamarck does, or Texas City ISD does, to fill the job at Lamarck. Speaking of Texas City, uh, their defensive coordinator, Blake Reuter, has taken the job at Santa Fe, uh, trying to turn those Indians around. Um, Jeff Dixon has retired at Alvarado. He was he coached in one of the very first state championship games that I covered uh, when I was here at David Campbell's back in 2011. We, that, Alvar- yeah, that, Alvarado, that was a really good Alvarado team. Yeah, um, I saw Alvarado dismantle Henderson in the semifinals the week before, mm-hmm. and they played Chapel Hill in a great state championship game. They had a that 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 was you know for you know for three or four years their four A Division one played their state title game a week before everyone else, and so it was that That's standalone. Right. It was a standalone Friday night cha- state championship game, and I want to say they had a crowd of over twenty thousand. Yeah, it was twenty two thousand. It was a huge crowd. And that was the first time I think a state championship had been played. It, 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 some, for some reason, everyone thought it was a great idea to park across the street at Walmart, and uh, that was huh. not a good idea. So I remember that. Yeah. That's, but Al- Alvarado was driving to win that game and fumbled late yep. for Chapel Hill. Yep. To win that. It was a great ball game, though. That was a really, really good ball ball game. Yeah, the three fourth quarter turnovers for for Chapel Hill to to, to end up holding onto that game. Uh, but anyway, uh, all the best to, uh, to Coach Dixon, who was there. Nearly 20 years. Long, long time coach there yeah, at Alvarado. Yeah, had a good so, run there at Alvarado, yeah. They will. Okay, elsewhere across the state of Texas, um, let's see. Like I said, we're kind of slowing down on coaching change move. What's funny is that I'm looking at these and I'm scrolling through these and I'm like, oh, those are the ones that we didn't get a questionnaire until late for them. Um, which, mm-hmm, by the way, mm-hmm. shout out to uh, almost everyone. Nearly every we're, we're missing two questionnaires right now. Now and and I want to be clear, and we're not calling them out. We're not doing it. Last uh, in the past couple of years, we've had coaches that they don't really have an excuse. Um, both, I believe, we missed. We're missing two, and both of them have hired in the last mm-hmm. two weeks ish. I mean, they've got two a pretty three weeks. excuse. Uh, yeah. we still La- last year's uh, la- last year's last place team did not have an excuse. These two do have an excuse. So. These two have an excuse. It's been a lot of promotions uh, from within, which is kind of what you see this late in the game. Hondo's promoted their defensive coordinator, Dustin Templin, uh, to be the new head coach. Um, Slayton has promoted their defensive coordinator, Jacob Dangerfield, uh, to be their head coach. Uh, that would probably be, you know, about uh, you know, par for the course. I was very happy. I will say this: I was pretty happy that Ty Lang found a place to land. Um, he was. Yeah, he got such a bad deal there at Decatur. He 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 trusts. Uh, he's um he's thrown into the into the the fire there at Decatur when the um school board railroads Mike Fuller. He gets thrown in as the interim. Um, did he even? I mean, I don't know if you know this. Did he even get an interview for the full time job? He did, but I think most people close to that situation the- felt it was just a. It was really just a courtesy interview and not really. A- that's well, that's 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 lame because I thought he did a pretty decent job there uh, to hold that thing together. Uh, but anyway, he gets to go take over at Ballinger where Chuck Lipsy, uh, another boy, another guy who was around for a long time. Um, he gets the job at Ballinger. I was very happy to see Ty Langland on his feet. I agree. I was super, super fired up when I heard that and was happy for him because he I don't think he got a fair shake at Decatur and, you know, Decatur made a great hire with, uh, you know, Steve Huff. No, no, you know, nothing against. Coach sure. Huff or anything. I just don't think Ty Lang really got a fair shot there at Decatur, considering the situation that he was thrown into very late. Remember that because that, that that whole thing didn't go down until June of last year. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Out east, New Boston has hired Kennedale defensive coordinator Jody Littleton uh, to replace uh, uh, Justin Waltz. Um, they are. Uh, I'll say this. I think. I think he's stepping into a situation where they can do some damage. 
Um, they are dropping down, mm-hmm. and New Boston mm-hmm. certainly got some pedigree that they can put it all together. Yeah. But, but yeah, I was I, I think that's a pretty uh, that's that's a situation where they could they could win pretty early if if things break yeah. right. Boy, three A yeah. Division two out in East Texas is just tough though, man. You got Dangerfield and Paul Pewitt and Wascom, and just, mm-hmm. it's a meat grinder out there out east. Um, uh, Rice Consolidated. Let's talk about this. This is is this a weird story? It feels like a weird story. Um, Jared Sloan's out after four seasons. They did he did go eleven and two back in twenty eighteen, and yeah, they've gone and hired. To, so he went to Fulcher. He he. I think he took an assistant job on staff uh, at Fulcher. Yeah. Um, they go and they hire Brad Dumont. Um, Brad Dumont, you may remember from such hits as being the head coach of Rice Consolidated for almost a decade. Um, yeah. And they just pull, they just pulled him out of retirement. Yeah, Brad Dumont was was I think working in private business and I think just, <laughs> just kind of helping run just kind of helping run track meets or whatever and I, and I bet this whole thing started at a track meet uh, and yeah he's mm. he's I've talked to Coach Dumont a couple times he's fired up and uh, he's he never moved he never left right the area you know out there uh, east uh, west of Houston so um, yeah it's it's one of those deals where. This is probably not a long-term fix for. I don't think Brad Dumont's going to coach for ten years at Rice Consolidated, but maybe he comes in three, four years, gets things uh, the way he needs that he wants it, and then he you know, passes the baton to one of his assistants. We must take a moment to. Um, we must take a moment to honor the outstanding career and outstanding legacy of Dan Ganey. Dan uh, Ganey. Yes. The, the, now the now the retired head coach at, at at Colorado City is responsible for one of the the, the greatest moments in Texas football today history. Um, when we called him Legend. at a regional a regional golf tournament, where he was the most disinterested in golf person that has ever lived, <laughs> which um, which immediately warms my heart because we, we you know <laughs> P- pickle pickle Ashley uh, you may know her as the Duchess of the Dorks. She is a hashtag golf person. And so we, uh, me and you and Ish for sure are not golf people. And so we like to give pickle hell about it. So he- hearing Dan Ganey, the, the reliving that through the eyes now, having, having pickle replacing our dearly departed Poochie um, makes, makes me happy because pickle I'm sure was just not happy with coach Ganey's uh, hashtag disrespect of golf. Coach Ganey, you will always have the respect of this podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. We are big fans, and we wish you the best in retirement. They've uh, this came you, down. I, I know, and I've told you this story, but I have another Dan Ganey story. Uh, in 2020, you know, during the pandemic year, uh, I Ballinger had a really good ball club, and I was in San Angelo. There was a Thursday night game in San Angelo the night before. I swung, you know, Ballinger's about 25 miles north of San Angelo, so I swung over to Ballinger on Friday night to watch the undefeated Ballinger Bearcats take on a winless. Colorado City Ball Club. Colorado Colorado City in 2020 was not great. Um, they struggled. They were 0 10, I believe. And Ballinger, I think, finished 10 and 2. It was it was ugly. It was a blowout. And as I walk up onto the field, Coach Ganey sees me and he goes, "What the hell are you doing here?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Here to watch some ball, Coach." And he just goes, "God, you know." Just, <laughs> <laughs> he called you out on being a sicko like in person yeah yes he did and, and lipsy's kind of laughing you know and i'm just like coach you know he goes are you sure as hell aren't here to see us and i was like well coach you know maybe you guys will pull the upset they did not pull the upset that night a, <laughs> a, a, anyway a funny funny so coach ganey we, we love you you are you we, will we be wish missed. We wish the best to Dan Ganey. Monty yes. Leaf from Eustace has been hired to be their new head coach. Um, now Eustace Goldthwaite, is open. Yeah, Eustace is open. Goldthwaite was open for a minute with Keith Verdell leaving after three seasons. Uh, they have hired Brownwood offensive coordinator Andy Howard uh, to be their next head coach. Um, that is uh, certainly going and, and taking taking somebody off of a good staff out there at Brownwood. So that's pretty interesting to see. Um, it's a good move. Else, yeah, I thought that was pretty savvy. Coach Howard's um, pretty well thought of. Uh, and then finally, uh, this is the last one for me, and then anything I've missed, I'll let you you riff on. Weimer. Weimer came open um, after Coach Ryan McIver left after four seasons. Um, and they have gone and hired Wade Griffin from Giddings. Um, 
he's bounced around a bit, but um, but he he had been at Giddings for past couple of years, I want to say. Um, been at Giddings for now, Giddings for four for four years. He had had an eleven and two year. He took mm-hmm. Giddings to the regional finals his first two years, regional semifinals his first two years there. Do you do you have any sort of insight into into this? Was this just you know? I mean, this, uh, he I seemed think, like he had a pretty decent job there at Giddings. He did. Uh, I think this may have been more family related for him. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think he decided that that maybe the smaller, an even smaller school environment was a better fit for him and his family mm-hmm. now. Um, so it's just kind of just reading between the lines. There was was kind of the. the the vibe. And getting, I'll be honest, they're, they're probably a little, their talent's a little down. They, they struggled mm-hmm. last year, and I, and I don't see uh, things improving very quickly in the next couple of years. So I think it might be one of those deals where he decided he needed to make a move before, while, while he could. So there always, you go. Always the- better. I'll say this. This is what I talk to coaches. I always say it's always better to leave one year early than a year too late. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Um, all right, D- did I miss any 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 other coaching changes that have happened in the last like month that I that I missed? Uh, Gainesville coming open. James Polk, uh, my buddy, that uh, is Everman, Everman alum, goes to uh, Weatherford to become. Uh, he's going to be joining Aubrey Sims staff at Weatherford. James Polk and Sims have a connection. They work they work together at Kennedale under Richard Barrett, and they work together at Snyder. So there is some connections there, and I think. For, for Coach Polk, uh, his wife's in administration, so I think she's taking an administrative job in Weatherford ISD, so it kind of worked out there. Uh, okay. There are presently, at the moment, 27 open jobs out there at the, at the uh, state chain, or rather in Texas high school football, UIL 11-man, uh, so we'll have you covered at texasfootball.com per use. So make sure you go check that out. Okie dokie, Matthew. Let's move on. We're now going to talk about state championships. We're going to we're going to start flashing forward and, and kind of maybe for the first time doing some sort of like 2022 preview. You know, I guess like, you know, this is probably the first time we've really dug into it with any sort of depth. Um, there are 12 reigning UIL 11 man state champions out there, and, and not all of them are created equal. There are some teams that uh, look like this is the beginning of a dynasty. There are other teams that maybe it looks like was, uh, I don't want to say a flash in the pan, but was certainly, it's going to be more of a struggle for them to repeat. And so we want to go through, and we're going to go through each of the 12 F or a UIL 11 man state championship team, state champions, and rank them, rate them on how likely they are to repeat as state champions. Um, okay. So we're, we're going to go one through five, or we're going to rate it one through five, each of these. Uh, five is going to be that they are considered favorites to win a state championship. So it's like they are a team that you say, yes, they should win a state championship again. Uh, what one would be the opposite of that? One would be that you are very, very skeptical of their chances to uh, repeat as state champions. We're going to go from smallest to largest. So I'll start with the with the six man ones. We'll start with one A Division two, which was Strawn. Strawn was the one A Division two state champs. Strawn's an interesting case this year. I'm going to install them as a as a three, and here's why. There's a lot of there's there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical of them. They get wiped by graduation, so they had 14 lettermen last year, and they're losing 10 of them. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, they are in fact they're bring, only bringing back one starter on each side of the ball. Uh, that seems bad, but the one guy that they're bringing back is the best player in six man football. It's it's that Grayson Rigdon kid who was the dual MVP who was the all like the, the six man player of the year last year as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's the guy. So we're, this is Strong's fascinating to me. They're going to be a litmus test on what one guy means at six man football level, mm-hmm. like a true blank slate situation. It's really interesting. They obviously have a great coach too, uh, but they are, I think that they'll, I think they're certainly the favorite to, I think they got to be considered one of the favorites. They've got the guy, uh, but it's just going to be how those pieces fall in place around them. I mean, they got to get past like Jayton and Motley County within their own region, but you know, I think they'll be favored to do so. So there you go. I I like strong. I'll give them a three, um, one, a division one. It was Westbrook Westbrook beat may in the classic state championship game. And I'm going to put them in as a four, maybe even like a four and a half. 
they're loaded. They're big time loaded. They only lose one starter on each side of the ball. They bring back a ton from last year. They had a good JV. They've got good depth. This feels like it could be the beginning of something and not the end of something. Um, I think that they are. The other thing that I like about them is I think they are on the correct, like the they're on the left side of the bracket, which is the the, the side you want to be on. They're in region mm-hmm. two uh, because over on the right side, you're going to have to deal with May, Abbott, Jonesboro, um, those types of things. I think by being there on that left side of the bracket, I think that they put themselves in a little bit of gap between them and the other powerhouses. So I like Westbrook a lot. I'll put them in like a, I'll say a four and a half out of five, uh, maybe a four to repeat. I think they're going to be considered one of the favorites. 2A Division Two, Matthew. The state champions were the Stratford Elks. Mm-hmm. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the Stratford Elks. Uh, uh, here's the problem with doing this. I, yeah, I give them a zero because they can't um, repeat. I, I do not think that they can repeat as 2A Division II state champions, uh, but... We'd have a story on our hands if they did, Tepper. We certainly would, but them as a team, of course, they'll be playing 2A Division One. What chance do you give them of bringing home another state championship, albeit one with a different division? Uh, I, I'd put it at a two. I think they're going to be really good, and they'll be a, a contender uh, into a region one division one, but it's, it's a lot tougher road. And I think the depth, you know, having to go through, you know, the likes of, you know, looking at the two, a region one realignment in division one, I, I mean, they're going to have to go through, you know, a team like Cisco, a team like Holly who played for the state championship last year, a team like, uh, you know, a team like possibly uh, Sonora dropping, you know, mm-hmm. dropping down from three, a dropping down from three, a to two, a, uh, so it's going to be a, a lot tougher. New deal, road new deal, panhandle, new mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, it's it's a lot lot more landmines for yeah. Stratford. So I, are they going to be? Are they on that short list of contenders in two A Division One, Region One? Yeah, but I'd say they're fourth or fifth on the list. So I'd put them at okay. two. They'll be a very good team. We'll probably win their district, but yes. outside of that, I think it'll be tough. I think I agree with you. I got them at about a two. I don't give them no chance, but I think that kind of through no fault of their own, um, they they are kind of they're they're in a tougher uh, situation. That and and I mean it's also important to remember that um, that they are going to be without their star player Cody Rennie, who is is has graduated too. So they got to fill in that gap too. Uh, so yeah, I like that as a two. To the defending two A Division One state champions who stayed in two A Division One, the Shiner Comanches. What uh, what kind of chances do you give Shiner to repeat? I'd put them at a five. I mean, they're 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 going to be one of the two or three favorites if to win the state championship again. If you are putting your rankings together for two A Division One right now, just your personal rankings, and and the if you know the the magazine rankings are a collaborative effort, we kind of all come to a consensus between a lot of different parties. Um, what what would you install them as number one? Yeah, because I made the mistake of not installing them number one last year, and they mm. murder machined Refurio in the regional finals. So uh, I, I think right now Shiner, until in reality, if Shiner doesn't have that late collapse against Refurio in 2019, where they blew a double digit lead mm-hmm. with less than two minutes left, they're they're probably three peat a three peat champion right now. So at this point, mm-hmm. they until they're dethroned, you, you give them the number one nod. Yeah, I might go with a four instead of a five, only because they do have to go through a Furio. Um, they would have to see a team like Tempson in a, in a region, in a state semifinal, things like that. But I mean, make no mistake, no, make no mistake. They, they, if you rank them any lower than like three into a division one, like you, you've got some explaining to do because they're going to yeah. be super serious with Dalton Brooks back. All right, the three A division two state champions were the Franklin Lions. Franklin is also moving up; they're moving up to three A division one. Uh, what chance do you give the Franklin Lions of repeating as state champions? Franklin's an interesting case study because they actually beat the 3A Division One state champs last year in yes, Marina. So uh, clearly they can compete in 3A Division One, um, And they bring back a solid – I mean, they, they, they have some losses, but they bring back enough to where mm-hmm. I, I – I, they're going to be a top five team, so I, I would install them as a, as a four, four and a half out of five. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're gonna be th- in the mix. I think you're right. Bryson Washington's back, and they got that dude. Now, moving up to 3A Division One is not going to be fun. They're going to be in it with – I mean, we might as well just lump this in and, and talk about the 3A Division One state champs, which is Lorena. They're district bunkmates. Mm-hmm. Um, this is – like for, for Franklin and Lorena, it's funny – 
I would probably, I don't know. I might install Franklin as a slight favorite over Lorena within their own district. But like the winner of that district looks like they are, I don't know if I want to say they're the clear favorite in region three. Columbus exists and you know, little river Academy, I think is going to be fun. Die ball is going to be going to be interesting, but like I would probably look at Lorena and Franklin. The winner of that is the favorite to win region three and probably a favorite to play for a state championship so at that point you're talking minimum four four and a half you know yeah i i think when you look at these two teams i i think there's a very good chance they play twice next year oh yeah i think we could see this matchup twice and once in the regular season and once in the regional finals i think that's i think that's exactly right so are we thinking the same for both lorena and franklin yeah i'm thinking four four and a half half. yeah i think you know probably i wouldn't put them at a five but i'd just because they have to go through each other and they're so evenly right. matched, but I'd say four, four and a half. Okay. Uh, the four A Division two state champs were the uh, China Spring Cougars. China Spring also moving up classification. They're moving up to four A Division one. Also moving into the district with the other four A state champs in Stephenville. So I guess we can take these two in concert. Um, China Spring and Stephenville, uh, the four A Division two and four A Division one state champs. Both within region uh, district five and five and four A division one. What chances do you give them of repeating? Four A division one is a meat grinder. It's going to be it is and they're brutal and their own their own district is brutal. I mean, you, you got to go through the four A division one state champ inside of your own district. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's a meat grinder. Um, I think Ch- and China Spring loses a major bout. I think China Spring is going to be really good next year, but I want to see how good this team is going to be without Major Bowden. Uh, so I'd say yeah. they're they're, they're going to be, I'd say to two honestly. I mean, wow, they might they might finish third. I mean that's absolutely true, dude. I think in, La- in their I think own district. Are, I think people are sleeping on La Vega and La Vega's offense. I think is going to be is going to get back on track. And I know they lose a lot from deep on that defensive side, but like I I don't I've done I'm done worrying about La Vega's defense like ever. Um, they'll be fine yeah. forever. Uh, as long as Don hides there, like they'll be fine. Um, they are, I would look at, yeah, I think, I think for, for China spring, I'd probably do like a two and a half, maybe like, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe closer to a two than a three. Stephenville's interesting because Stephenville does bring back like a lot of the key pieces at the key places. Like most, especially they bring back QB one, they bring back Ryder Lambert and, mm-hmm. and that should give them a boost. But it is so tough in region in four A division one that I I would give them maybe like a three and a half close to a four uh, of a chance to repeat because I do think they're going to be a top five team. But like the number of great teams you have to beat to get there is so high that like I I don't know it's it's hard to I think it's, I I don't think you can install anyone as a big favorite in four A division one I think it's impossible. Yeah, for it, it, it's really wide open now because you lose, you know, Argyle to five A, so it kind of shakes things up as far as this, you're kind of opening up a little bit. So it's it's going to be a war uh, yeah. for, in four A Division One. So yeah, I, I'd I'd go China Spring to I'd say Stephenville probably three and a half or four. Yeah. Okay. Five A Division Two, South Oak Cliff. The Golden Bears are the state champions. Uh, they will be back in 5A Division Two to uh, defend their crown. The team that they won their sig- really their signature win will not be there in Alito uh, as they moved up to 5A Division One. Uh, give me your uh, give me your your ra- your rating of the South Oak Cliff's chances of repeating as state champions. I'd say South Oak Cliff's loaded next year. I, I'd go four. I'd, I'd they're probably a five to me. Wow. I think Sock is going to – I mean, they might be better. If the, the big question with Sock is quarterback. I think at every other position, they're going to be better next year. It's the quarterback spot. Losing mm-hmm. Kevin Henry Jennings is a, is a big loss. Um, that's the one question I have about South Oak Cliff. But I think they're better at every other position, which could offset if they do have a decline at the quarterback position. I also think there's a lot of big questions for other contenders, right? Like uh, Like Argyle. Obviously, a program that needs no introduction, but they're playing five A, and that's for the first time, right? Um, Liberty Hill uh, brings back a lot of that offense, but that defense has got to reload, and they've got to they've got to find. And they, I think that I think Region Four is also going to be a little bit tougher uh, on the whole than it was last year. Uh, Lovejoy, Lovejoy brings back a ton. There's a lot of reason to love Lovejoy on paper, but like 
I kind of got to see him do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, and I gotta, they got to go through gotta, South Oak Cliff. Yeah, and they got to they mm-hmm. go through South Oak Cliff. And South, I was at that game, and South Oak Cliff physically dominated Lovejoy. And until Lovejoy can prove they can handle that physicality, I think you got to give the edge to Sock. Yeah, I think so. All right, 5A Division One. The 5A Division One state champions were the Katie Pato Panthers. Katie Pato is moving up to 6A. Katie Pato will also have a new coach. Um, a lot of movement there at Katie Pato. What, uh, what, what, give me your rating of Katie Pato's chances to go back to back. Look, and I need to double check the numbers, but I believe they'll probably be 6A Division Two. They were, they were, they're big 6A though. They're, they're probably, they're 3,100, but I think there's some uh, Katie High and maybe Seven Lakes are still bigger than they are. Oh, mm-hmm. Tompkins and K- Tompkins, Katie. So Pato's fourth enrollment wise. So more than likely they're going to go division two. And as we know, mm-hmm. in six, eight division two in region three, it's a lot more wide open and a lot less landmines than in region mm-hmm. four. So I, I think Pato has a pretty decent chance of, of making a deep run here in, in, in the six, a ranks, especially with David Hicks moving in from Allen, a five-star defensive end always mm-hmm. helps. Uh, their defense is going to be really, really good. I think the offense has some work to do, but they have enough pieces to, to be strong. So I put Pato at a, at a, I think there's a decent chance they, and you look at well, Austin Westlake, I would put, as long as Westlake goes division one, which I think they will, I, I'd say Pato is probably a, I'd say a four, because I think there's a chance they, wow. they can get to Arlington again. Yeah. There's a good chance oh, they get to Arlington. I'd say three and a half or four. Yeah, I'm gonna go closer to a three. Um, I think I have a lot of questions about the offense. They get they really hit hard by graduation. Um, and you're right, defense is gonna be pretty darn good. And I think they're gonna get a favorable draw in as far as um, as far as you know the 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 as far as the the division two is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, now you know at some point they would they may run into who's gonna go division two. Jeez, I don't even know who's gonna go division two out of, the, out of that right side of that bracket. I mean, you know, now you know. Here's the thing. Does Katie go Division Two? Because if Katie goes Division Two, Ka- then Katie's you know. yeah. Katie's I think Katie's almost locked in. That th- now I got to go back and double check my and yeah. That's the one thing we have to do in six A is we got to double check the enrollments and and all that stuff. Ka- yeah, Katie's bigger than Pato. I know that. So yes. So uh, right seven, now, Seven Lakes is the largest school. Seven Lakes, Cinco Ranch, Tompkins. Actually, there's a pretty decent I mean, chance. Katie's fourth and Pato's fifth. Right. So, so there's I, I think they're both going chance. D2. And I would take Katie yeah. over Tom over over Pato. Uh, you know, so I think Tompkins and Cinco Ranch. Yeah, I think Tompkins and Cinco Ranch are gonna make the playoffs. So yeah, now that I know know Katie's uh, more than likely going division two, I'd drop that down to a three. Okay. So we'll go with a three there for, yeah. for Katie Tompkins. Yeah. The the reigning six A Division two state champs are the Austin Westlake Chaparrells. Perhaps you've heard of them. Um, they are going to field another team this year, albeit with a different coach, uh, with, uh, Tony Salazar taking over. Give me your rating of them, their chances not to go back to back, but to go back to back to back. It'd be four, would it be four in a row for Westlake? Have they won three in a row? 2019, 20, yeah. yep. 2019, yeah, 20, wow, back to back to back to back. Yeah. yeah um, I guess they beat I Geyer it. twice. Yeah. And they yep. beat Geyer. Um, South like Carroll. Yeah. And then Carroll in the dodgeball. That's right. So it'd be four in a row. Uh, give me your chances of them going back to back to back to back. I'd put them. I think they're going to go division one. They're number yeah, three. I think in so too. Wise. I'd put them in division one, which is a lot tougher. And they'd have, you know, the one team the last three years that really pushed them was North shore in that semifinal game in 2020. So, and you lose Kate Klubnik, who that's a big loss. I know that I know the guy that they're going to have a guy to replace him. No doubt about it. Um, I think the kid Maybe. played five or six games last year. So they'll be fine, but it's tougher um, in division one. So it is, it is tougher. I believe they lose. I think they lose at least three of their offensive linemen, which is big. Cause that was, Most, that was the real, that was the real, the, what real, I mean, Kate Klubnik was great. Like Kate club. I've got a lot of nice things to say about Kate Klubnik. Okay. Got a lot of nice things to say about Jaden Greathouse all the playmakers, that defense, et cetera. What made them elite last year was their offensive line. Like, yeah. that was it was exceptional. Uh, one of the best offensive lines we may have ever seen in a high school football. 
It was um, special. Now, and, the defensive line brings a lot back, so they're, they're yeah, going to be really do. good on the defensive line this year. And they got Jaden Greenhouse. what does Greenhouse. know about that defense? Yeah, he's, you know, he's okay, yeah. I guess. I'd, um, I'd go, I'd go, I'd put Westlake at a five. I mean, they're yeah, they're the three I times might, any champs. I'm, I might say four and a half only out of respect for the team we're about to talk about next, which is Galena Park North Shore. Galena Park North Shore is the defending 6A Division One state champs. Uh, they are bringing back an okay amount. They kind of get hit hard on defense. for the, What feels like the first time in forever, it feels like they're rebuilding on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they do have a lot of pieces to replace there. Uh, bringing back a state champion, winning quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. What do you make of North Shore in their chances to go back to back? I'd go four. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think they have some questions on the defense. The quarterback's back. He, he was just a freshman last year. They've got a couple of playmakers out wide at receiver. But it's Division One's tough. It's it's a grind. And the fact that they may have to go through Austin-Westlake to get it done, you know, talk about a back-to-back having to play Austin-Westlake and then potentially, you know, somebody out of the, out of the Metroplex in the state championship game. That's a, yeah. that's a grind for sure. I, I'd say just because of the path, the potential playoff path and the losses on defense, I'd put him at a four. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I think that I think that's fair. I think they, that's probably about where they should. I mean, it feels like they're they'll you can probably pencil them into the top five uh, in in the rankings. But like depending on how things break, I mean, to be a top five team does not guarantee you to win a state championship. It just guarantees that you'll be in the mix, which four sounds about right for them. So there you go. There is a look at what we think the teams could uh, uh, the teams could could repeat as state champions uh, coming up in twenty twenty two. All right, Matthew, let's round it all out. By talking way too early sleepers. This is uh, this is probably uh, the thing that people come to us most for. They want to know who's the team that nobody's talking about that could actually make a deep run. And that's kind of, I guess we should probably define what, what we're talking about when we say a sleeper. To me, and I want to see if you agree with this, um, uh, this assessment. What I'm looking for is a team that is, is off the radar that we think could play in a regional final, at least a regional semifinal. So win two playoff games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we're not talking about the teams I'm mentioning. I don't think any of them are going to win a state championship. I'll just say that. I think they could make a run, and I think they could, they could get to something like a regional semifinal if things break right, maybe to a regional final. If things break really right, maybe to a state semifinal. Uh, is that, do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I agree. I think it's okay. fair. So that's, that's what it is. And, 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 and people aren't talking about is kind of a subjective matter. But uh, but that's that's kind of what we're saying. I'm saying these are a little bit off the radar. Some sleepers to put in your back pocket. That when we're wrong, we hope you'll forget this segment happened. And when we're right, we're never going to let you forget. Yeah, we'll remind you all the we time. We will tell you every single time. What, who was the one last year? You had one that you you hit and you just wouldn't shut up about it. Fredericksburg was a good one. Fredericksburg uh, was Mar- a very good Marlin. one. Marlin. Marlin was the one. Marlin was the one that like it'll be like, every week we were previewing it on Tep and stuff, and you're like. Pfft. Hey, by the way, that was my uh, my sleeper pick. That was my hipster pick. This is, by I mean, the way, this is this is sleeper picks and hipster picks are uh, legally distinct. So don't. don't I mean, don't confuse think about it. I, I got Fredericksburg and Mar- Fredericksburg played for. They were in the regional finals last year, and then Marlin mm-hmm. state semifinals. So it's pretty. And okay. a couple of years ago, Post, and then Paul. Mm-hmm. The same year I got Post, I also hit Paul Pewitt. There you go. See, so we've got a history here. You can yeah. take this to the bank. This is not financial advice. Okay. No. We'll go back and forth. You can do the first one of who is – give me your first of three way too early sleepers. I'm going to go to Central Texas for my first one, 5A Division One. I'm taking the Lake Belton Broncos. Hey, now. Deep sleeper. I think they are going to come out of the gate very Shadow Creek-like, be, be really strong right off the bat. Um, they, got, they got a five-star wide receiver in Micah Hudson. They've got – talent they've been really successful starting out at the lower levels they're successful in other sports right now already right off the bat right off the bat and they're in a they got a favorable draw on realignment being in 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 district four and if they can get one of the top two seeds they're going to avoid alito or denton ryan for a few rounds so i think brian cope squad's got a chance to be really really good right away i'm glad you brought that up because i'm actually I'm going to the exact same region, 5A Division One, Region One, um, to talk about my first sleeper. Because Matthew, can I interest you in a first round playoff matchup between our sleepers? 
Because you know who my oh, sleeper is? Who's your sleeper? Burleson Centennial. I, like I think I think the Spartans are poised. I think they were playing their best ball down the stretch um, last year. I think now they're going to, and they are going to be completely forgotten about. Everyone will forget about them because they're in the district with Ryan Alito. They're mm-hmm. going to, and, and I'm here to tell you, they're probably going to finish third, probably going to finish third in that district. And they might get Lake Belton in the first round of the playoffs, which would be uh, the all time. Well, make a note that first round of the playoffs for our draft, we have to do, um, we have to oh, do for uh, sure. the sleeper bowl. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I love, they bring back nine starters on defense including Chapman Lewis at the safety spot. They're going to run the ball exceptionally well. They got a quarterback back who was who I think was nicked up last year in Philip Hamilton. He's back. They got a number of running backs uh, back there. I think this team is going to make some noise, and they're going to be battle-tested. Um, Kyle Geller's squad is going to be battle-tested, obviously going through their district. But once they get through that, I think they're on the other side, and then you're talking about first-round game against Lake Belton, potentially not necessarily fun. Then you're getting a team from West Texas. You know, and then at that point, you may you're in the regional semifinals, which is all you need to do to qualify for this uh, segment, mm-hmm. where you might see Alito again, and you've already seen them once. So I don't know. I I like a lot of what Burleson Centennial has to offer this year, and I think they and could be one of those forgotten matchups. They're yes. a tough matchup because they run a flex bone. They're, yeah, they're, they're a very very tough matchup. Mm-hmm. All right, what is your second way too early sleeper? I'm gonna go way out west. Okay, way out west, out to Fort Stockton. Man, Mike. Mike Peters' ball club is going to be one to watch. Dropping down from Division One to Division Two after going nine and three last year, they bring back thirteen starters. I think they are. You, you install them right now as an immediate. You know, obviously the team to beat is Wichita Falls Hershey in, in Division Two Region One, but I think right behind. You know, I think Fort Stockton has a strong case as the second best team in this region. That is pretty good pick. I like Fort Stockton a lot. Um, I am going to go. I, I like Fort Stockton for all the reasons you laid out. And I think that they've probably been waiting for this class to be seniors and for that to happen and to drop down a classification or a division rather, I think that really pays off. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think they've got a great opportunity to make a run there in region one. I'm going to go to four, a division one, and I'm going to go to Southeast Texas. Matthew, have you heard the good news the good news of the Raiders of Lumberton. No, please enlighten I, me. I like this Lumberton team a lot. First of all, again, a team that's going to get forgotten. They're going to get lost in, in, in the mix there in Region 1 or Region 3 because everyone's going to be talking about Chapel Hill and El Campo and Kilgore maybe to a certain extent. But Lumberton down there in, in District 2, and the other thing is I think everyone's going to be talking about Little Cypress from Reeseville too because of what they did last year. Uh, but you look at what Lumberton brings back. Second year under Coach Reyes, James Reyes there. Uh, they bring back 15 starters, including eight on offense. They bring back a 2,500-yard passer in Lucas Powell. They bring back, I think, three or four of their offensive line. Um, they are going to be. They have a great core coming back. They've got uh, a. They've got a, a, a four wide. The, the, they've got four wide receivers who played a lot last year. They've got a, a strong quarterback. Uh, they got a strong running back. They're young. Uh, they played a lot of sophomores last year, and so I think that is going to be that's going to pay dividends. I would right now, I'm gonna, I'm going to hear it. I'm going to get a call from 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 Mauriceville, Texas, about this. <laughs> I might install them as the favorite in District 10 over LCM, and and I think they can make some noise. I think they can get it depending on how that playoff draw comes. Uh, I think they can make some noise, and 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 and, and you, despite being six and five last year, I think they were super young, and this could be this could be that might have been walking before you or crawling before you walk. I think they're I think they're ready. I think they're ready for prime. I like Lumberton a lot. So there you go. All right, and um, my final selection. I'm going to drop down to two A Division One, just okay. north of the Metroplex. Give me the Tioga Bulldogs and Chad Rogers Ball Club. Uh, another second year coach. They bring back 16 starters from a five and six ball club last year. But the biggest thing here is 30 lettermen are back. That is a huge number for a two, a division one school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tioga has a chance They're They're a fast growing community. They're, they're just North of Lake Ray Roberts. They're uh, kind of the Northern part, almost in te- kind of in that no man's land between Texoma and the Northern part of the DFW area. Uh, really fast growing. They were playing six man ball. Not that long ago. They're, they're growing fast. They're bringing in talent. That's moving into the area with new development. I think Tioga's got a chance to make a make some big noise this year in Chad Rogers' second year. I'm also going to go to a, but I'm going to go to a division two. 
And I'm going to go to 2A Division II, Region 3, to Rusk County. How about we talk about those Price Carlisle Indians? Okay. Another they were really team, good a couple of years ago. They had a great they, year a couple of years ago. They were very good a couple of years ago. They went 5-5 five and five this past year, and I think maybe people forgot about them. But they're dropping down to Division 2, and they're dropping down into Region 3. Now, Region 3 is where Mart lives, and they're going to be in the district with Tenaha. So I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But I think... I think they're the first of all, like, you know, Tenaha is going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be a world beater. I don't look at Tenaha right now and say, like, I'm super scared of them. You know what I mean? Like, as far as like, I mean, that's very, very nicely. I, I, they're going to be very good, but I don't think that there's some team. It's not like, oh, they're you're going, going through to a coaching change themselves. You yeah, they're going to. Change. It's not like it's not like Westlake. Oh, you run into Westlake and then you lose. I don't think that's necessarily a foregone conclusion. Uh, I think Carlisle. If you squint, you can see them as the second best team in the district or in, in the region, and you don't have to really squint that hard to see them as as good as maybe Mart. You know, Mart's going to be an interesting case this year. They're yeah. really they're really young defensively, and and you know now you probably want to catch them early as opposed to late, but I don't know. I think there's a chance that Carlisle makes a run. They bring back 19 starters from last year's team. Okay. They got a, an explosive playmaker in Brody Eaves. They've got another guy uh, in, in in Clayton Hart that they feel really good about. Uh, they, they move the ball around. They get the ball around to a lot of different guys. Fernando Espinosa, their quarterback. They're all juniors, like a lot of underclassmen. I think Price Carlisle could be that team that, that really makes some noise. And suddenly you're looking up and they've started off like 8 no. I don't know when they play 10 Hall. They're 8 no and they're going into a matchup with 10 Hall. And then it's like the real measuring stick. Um, I don't know. I like Price Carlisle a lot. The more I read about him, the more I, I, I kind of look look up and down their roster and what they've got. I think Clay Baker's got, got a little something cooking out there. I like it. I like it. So there you go. There's some way too early sleepers here in April because uh, uh, we're psychopaths. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's the end of the, the podcast. Let me make sure uh, that that's the end of the podcast. And yes, that's the end of the podcast. That's I'm getting the, the flashing sign that says end the podcast, please. Yep. Um, like okay. Uh, now, when are you back in town? You're in Canada uh, right now, I guess. Yes, yes. So we got seven on seven, which started actually last week. We had our first two qualifiers uh, last week with Cauliflower Heritage and Wichita Falls Rider. No qualifying action this week, and then really kind of kicks <laughs> kicks back into full gear May seventh. So that's when when I'll be back uh, covering seven on seven and doing those kind of things. Uh, being out, you know, we'll oh pickle goes out to some seven on sevens. Powers has already been out at mm-hmm. some, so we'll be. We'll be scouring the state at the qualifying tournaments, and then we'll be we'll be down at College Station there in late June for the state tournament. It'll, it'll, it'll be, here be here before you know it. Yeah, we'll do one more episode of Tep and Step in May, and then we'll probably have our uh, Tep and Step six man uh, six, uh, six man seven on seven preview in June. Then we'll have a show at Coaching School in July, and then Matthew, mm-hmm. it's August, and you know what August means? It means preseason shows. It means football. It means previews. Yeah, so it's going to be means- fun. Um, that season okay. previews are. I mean, we're we're on we're we're on the downside of the off season now for sure. Yeah, we made it. We got past that March show. That March show is the brutal one. Yeah, uh, you just got to get yeah. the magazine put to bed here. We're we're, we're doing great on the magazine. Got to get knock on wood, keep that going, and get the magazine See, the put prob- to bed, and then. The problem with going out of town for two days is that like you don't really get any work done, and now like I am so buried in crap to do for this magazine. Um, so hip hip hooray everyone feel bad for me that's gonna do for us thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us and being a dave campbell's texas football insider step thanks for your courage thank you talk to you next time on tap and step